0: attention attention please the camp ojibla history podcast is on the air Hello and welcome to the Campo Jibla History Podcast. My name is Christopher Thomason. I'm your host for this and many, many more trips down memory lane. The Campo Jibla History Podcast is a podcast dedicated to collecting the stories, the history, the memories of Campo Jibla for boys in Eagle River, Wisconsin, founded 1928. This week on the podcast, a another roundtable roundtable from the early 2000s. We've got a few guys uh, who were together in Cabin 14 in 2003, and uh, we just all got together, shared some stories, talked about things. I think you're going to totally dig it. Before we get to that, uh, first of all, let me say, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed last week. Uh, I've gotten a little feedback on the show, and people seem to dig it. We wanted to do something special for the 100th episode, and uh, I think I think we accomplished that. Uh, <laughs> um. And, you know, I was very honest and when I asked Denny if he would be kind enough to be the interviewer, I, uh, I didn't put any rules on it. I said, you know, there's a few things I would like you to say at specific times, but other than that, you get to pick how this goes, you get to pick what you ask, and I will be an open and honest uh, interviewee. And so, uh, that's what we got. And I, I, hope you, I hope you dug it and if you haven't listened, go back. Give it a listen, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. And I now know that it's a little more nerve-wracking to be on the other side of the microphones. Also, I may have mentioned this once or twice, but I promise I won't mention it very many more times, and that is OJ90. We are less than a week away. First Friday night, 6.30 p.m. at North Shore Wellness and Sports, formerly known as Joy of the Game. It's an all men's event, the boys' night out. There will be uh, food included with your ticket price. There's going to be a cash bar. They'll be playing box hockey and basketball and bags and who knows what all. Uh, mostly it'll just be a good excuse to get together and do a little pre-reunion before the big reunion. So it's going to be a slightly smaller party and all guys. So go out and get a good hang time with your Ojibwe buddies there. Then on Saturday, 7 p.m., the Western Chicago North Shore. It's time for OJ90. That's right, the official event. Registration's gonna start about 6.30 if you wanna get there a little bit early. But we'll open the doors at seven. Cocktails, open bar, an amazing food menu, an amazing night of entertainment, and more importantly, several hundred Ojibwe guys and gals getting together, catching up. Campers from every era, every generation, all in one room. This is what what you call a once in a generation kind of party. This is only the third time in the history of Ojibwe we've done something of this scale. So, fire up. If you haven't gotten your tickets, uh, you can go to OJ90.com, OJ90. But you can only do it until tonight at midnight. Then, online tickets are gone. No more online tickets after tonight, Sunday, April 30th at midnight. After that, you will be able to buy tickets at the door. I'll be honest with you. If you wait to buy them at the door, they're going to cost you more money. That's just how it is. We can't do anything about it. So... Get your tickets if you're coming. Buy them today, right now, OJ90.com. Stop the podcast, go over there, pick them up. Boom. All right, enough of that. Here we go. Daniel Elrod, Jeff Perlman, Todd Goldner, and Adam Gilbert on the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast summer night if
1: you sit all alone with the weeds or a succulent pear if with each juicy bite you spit out your teeth with the seeds before it's too late stop trying to wait for fortune and faith you're secure up. for this one
0: State your name and your years at camp Todd Goldner
2: started in 1997 to 2009, 13 years.
3: Jeff Perlman started in 96, 11 years. Daniel Elrod, post camp 87, camper started 96 to 2003, counselor 2004
4: to 2007. Adam Gilbert. 11 years as a camper and consular. I'll stay away from post-camper
0: right now. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So uh, what brings us together here today, boys, is that uh, outside of other things, as you've already pointed out before we got going, is that you guys were at my first cabin 14. So let's start there. You guys as a group coming to cabin 14. Now, who are we missing from that crew? Who's, who's also in the group? A Scott. lot of people. Scott Bagan. Oh, Scott Bagan. That name comes to mind right away. I wonder why we were thinking of him. Oh, right, because he's supposed to be sitting in that empty chair right there.
2: (laughs) Work emergency. Something with tomatoes
0: tomatoes in
4: Florida. Produce emergency. I'd say Zach Cutchen. It's hard to start listening to people because I feel like I'm It's gonna okay. Yeah. You may yeah. forget but
0: people, but I'm just trying to remember 30. who else. Like we're Danny
4: about. Schroeder, I would say, was sure. part of the crew. Um,
1: Samson. Matt Breger. Matt Baba. Right.
3: Jeremy Kaplan. Jeremy Cowan. Ka- Jason Kipnis. Jason Kipnis. Kipnis. Yeah, All star second baseman. Yeah. All the guys. Jeff Nathan. Phil, Phil Weisberg. Weisberg.
0: Oh, that's that whole second week crew, right? Kipnis, sure. Weisberg, Jeff Nathan. Nathan. Yeah. yeah. James Jacobson. Yeah, James. James Jacobson
4: was there for forever. See, we're going to forget people. I feel horrible doing that. Those are the GBN guys came second. Oh, I got you. Right on.
1: Nice. We definitely missed people. Yeah, we missed people. It's fine. And still love Andrew Steve? Ween. Brandon Ooh. Burr. Taylor Somak. <laughs> Manger. Yeah.
0: Oh, if it's Manger, oh, it's Turtle Chris McGatty. Oh, yeah, Chris McGatty. All apologies, Chris
4: McGatty. Our chief. <laughs> yeah, chief,
0: chief. Chief of the Braves, Chris McGatty. legendary uh, McGatty. Clearly my biggest fan
1: ever, honestly. C-Mac. Yeah.
0: Uh, oh, Jordan I'm, Launder. If Chris McGatty and Jordan Launder, yeah.
1: my other biggest fan of camp ever. <laughs> Chris <laughs> McGatty. I'm the biggest Chris McGatty fan there is. Uh, last <laughs> time he was in town, I basically tricked him into sleeping on my futon. Wow. Yeah.
2: We organized a 10-year reunion, rented out ginos, <laughs> had some pizza and beer, nice. and then uh, C-Mac McGatty ended up sleeping at Jeff's house. Wow. <laughs> we, we, we had, had, a, a, pretty, show, we had a
3: pretty good showing for that. We did. It a great showing. We were upset that... Danny Schroeder didn't show up. We we would we, we have loved to have seen him.
0: Uh, he was fun. My favorite Danny Schroeder story, of course, is the island social night uh, when we went to Birch Null's Island, if you guys remember.
1: Uh, I remember that <laughs> very clearly. We were still feeling you out, you know, being a Cabin 14 counselor. Now you had been in Cabin 2 for a few years. We didn't know sure. you that well. You went by big sexy. We're still feeling you out, but sure. I remember we're going to the island social and you being like, "Does anyone need a condom? Does anybody need a... I'm, you know, not saying you have to, but just want you guys to be safe." And I was like, "All right, this guy Thomason, there might be something to him." Listen,
0: I'm here to support you, you know. And if you believe in yourself, then that's all you need, right? And safety first, right? That's right. That's right. The last thing we want is any anybody catching the herb. <laughs> Agreed. Awesome. So, uh, when is the first cabin where you guys all kind of end up together? Like, start. Were you guys in. As far as the two cabins go, were you guys together to well, begin uh, with?
3: This is, this is Daniel. Uh, so, the, 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 the four of us here Todd, Jeff, Adam, and myself were.
1: Well, the three of us no. were in cabin one. Well, the
3: three of us were in cabin one. Adam, Jeff, and Daniel started in 96 in Cabin One together. Uh, my, I was the only one who went all eight. Uh, for various reasons, that first year, but then Todd came. 97, in Ninety seven. Jeff
2: missed ninety seven. So Kevin three uh, was our first year all time. No, he was five. there five. We were together. Jeff, Jeff yeah,
3: no, Jeff no. took Jeff took a year off in ninety seven because he was a little too homesick <laughs> in ninety yeah, six. So he fair. decided, you know, campus might be a little bit too much for me. He missed out on a uh, on the frozen fruit cup uh, snack ah. in ninety six, and he was so upset about it that. He decided not to come back to camp in 97.
1: Dan will never let me live this one down. Yes, I was homesick in 96. Sure. um, Didn't go back in 97. And there was one time where I was very upset that... I don't know if you remember the frozen apple and orange juice cups... I didn't get one. I was really upset. I was nine years old. Dan has never let me live it down. We are 30 today.
2: <laughs> While we're on the stories of not letting live things down, <laughs> me and you, Chris, we're in a head staff meeting one time. Oh,
0: okay. oh we're going right there oh, already? Down, like right. we just started.
2: We're going there. He had this one chambered. He's ready to go. <laughs> and uh, you had some... Thoughts about uh, prep camp? Was it at that time? I believe it was it, uh, I, I believe camp. it was prep
0: camp. We had just started the prep camp program I like the year before. Three We're...
2: counselors involved: Matt Weiss, you, Jeff Roman, and uh, someone else. Andy Hirsch. Andy Hirsch. Oh, I believe the comment, if I can remember correctly, is Denny saying, "How was prep camp?" Matt Weiss did a great job, is what you said. <laughs> he says, "How was prep camp?" He said, "Let me just say, Matt Weiss did a great job." <laughs> Stupidly, or I guess loyal to Jeff, I told him about this. Sure. And that led to a little bit of a blow up between you two.
0: You mean that he didn't speak to me for like five years? Basically. Uh, Yes. (laughs) I
1: I mean, well, first off, I did a great job at prep camp. So the comment wasn't warranted. I would say
0: that Matt Weiss did a fantastic job at prep
1: camp. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was saying. Sticking to the... the I mean... (laughs) Uh, Todd, Todd can tell what, what happened from there I'm sure well, my version's
2: jaded Well whatever you guys got into it And the end result was I got to have a meeting with Denny About what's said in the right. uh, Green room or Chief's den sure. Stays in
3: the Chief's den Or green room at that time so uh, well, I think Chiefs then at that it was time. Probably the Chiefs yeah, time. I think
0: it, it was probably brand new. I think, new re, I Chiefs think
3: Green Room was Green Room ended at when we were all on right. cabinet. So in the yeah. Chiefs then, the principal's now, office. Right. Definitely it's, it's the principal's all, office. It's all said in the locker room. Stays
2: in the <laughs> locker room, and uh, then he let me have it. So from then on, I was. Uh, W- lip-sealed from uh, from meetings. So. Yes.
1: Well, the truth is that that Adam and I should have been in those meetings in the first place as we were running the mail and uh, package and snack shack that year and doing a phenomenal job. I make, was going to try, and I go,
4: things go full circle. Your first year at camp, it started with the snack issue, yep. and then we go out running snacks at Campo Gym We That's
2: did. We did. I had the small job of, well, not small job, I was head of JC's, I believe. Is that why I was in there? Oh, God. The public director came later, but I think I was ahead of the J.C. Well,
0: I'm glad that we've all come so far, that uh, Perlman and I can sit in a room together yeah. and everybody's cool. And, Barely. And grown-up Perlman understands that if it was my job to criticize him... I, you were wrong, but I still
1: love you. <laughs>
3: Long, long it will story never be late. resolved, trust me. Long story short, we were all together starting in 96, 97. <laughs> uh, nice. and, and we met up with the other guys, uh, the Kipnis folks. Kipnis was with us. With us. Eight, and we, and we, Baba, yeah, again, Jeremy Kaplan. Was like was
1: 13.
3: Uh, and 13. So they, were, they were our sort of rival cabin of our age group. Our uh, best friends story. like Matt Baba, Brieger, like
2: Jeremy Kaplan, Mark Samsky, like that kind of crew was in the other cabin. And then it was all of us, and then Bagan came in In, what 99? 99. Bagan
3: came in 99 because he for Bagan was a lifelong post camper, right? Uh, Yeah, Bagan was a lifelong post camper. His family has a deep history, sure. He decided to go to Camp Laurel for the first three years. When we all started at camp in 96 97, Bagan decided to go to Camp Laurel. Is Laurel
0: Laurel an overnight like a Overnight camp the same way?
3: It, yeah. It's a co-ed overnight on camp, right? camp on the East Coast. Uh, Who ooh. knows Jewish why he camp. went there. Yep. Co-ed. Um, co-ed. Obviously a major mistake, and he decided co-ed. to come to camp a little bit late. So he was a little late to the game, but we all know Big and He he made his presence felt pretty early. Yeah,
0: That's I noticed cool. how he made his presence felt here pretty early today. Yeah. Uh, but, but, um, shh, tomato, nice produce. <laughs> over well, a,
3: a, great, a, a quick Bagan story. When we were, when he, his, on his, his first day, we were... Uh, you know you're assigned your teams on the first day and Bagan and I were uh, picked we were assigned to be on the same flag football team and I take I took football very seriously at camp it was one of my favorite sports to play and we were deciding on the first game like all right who's going to be the quarterback and Bagan says to me I'm three time little giants starting quarterback little giants is the Highland Park sure. football team and I said great uh, you know excellent we'll have a starting quarterback on the team we ended up being very good. We won the plaque that year, but it turned out that Scott totally made up that he was a three-time Little Giant quarterback. He, in fact, he never even played for the Little Giants, Wow! Um, but he ended up being a great quarterback. It just That kind of just solidified Scott as being a, a character yeah. at camp. That
2: somewhat culminated in us talking about him on the porch wow. and him walking in and hearing us talking and say, so Scott's a liar, huh? And that led to a little bit of a
4: liar, always been a good storyteller. And the truth isn't always necessarily the most important part of the story. He'll embellish for the sake sure. of the story a <laughs> We love this
1: guy. Oh, it, Scott. Gilly, that was amazing. Way to save us all just now. Appreciate that. That was well done. Very
0: Keep the high road. You know, when when you guys go we, low, Gilly goes high. We love our Gilly friends,
3: yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it was a Michelle Obama Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: <laughs> So, keeping it sort of in the camper years, uh, what, are the great, what are the great ridiculous camper stuff? Like, what's great, uh, let's talk about the mess hall. What are your favorite meals as campers?
1: Nuggets. Nuggets and patties. Are you
0: guys, st- is it still uh, weighted meals constantly um, in the beginning? Early. The
1: evolution, I think. Yeah. Like weighted
4: meals all meals when we started? Cabin
1: 1, we were weighted. Ca- cabin 1, we were weighted. Not breakfast, maybe,
3: though. Uh- But, like, lunch and dinner were waited. I I remember Collegiate Week 96, my first Collegiate Week, we still ate with the teams Mm. um, for every every lunch and dinner. Um, That lasted a while. That lasted a while. Really? Yeah. I thought that ended pretty quickly. It was always a big debate at camp. Like,
4: are we going to move to weighted lunches not for lunch? Then it was weighted lunches not for dinner. I think we were kind of there during we, that yeah, whole level we'll, uh, of gotcha.
1: We definitely benefited from being JCs who only
3: had to wait on Friday night, though. Right. So it worked yeah, out in our favor. Definitely by the time you were <laughs> JCs. It definitely for sure. worked out in our favor. But there's something that, right. I, you know, being at camp during the transition from all weighted meals to a buffet style meal, I, you kind of miss the weighted meals when you look mm. back on it because. When you're young, you see all the counselors and older campers engaging in all the fun cheers and the inside jokes and, sure. and, and the digs on a counselor who went out the night before. And then as a JC and senior counselor and as an older camper, you really only get to do that one night a week. So looking back on it, I do wish there was a little bit more of a emphasis on weighted meals sure. as an older camper. It
1: probably saved some of our friendships, though, that there weren't, <laughs> <laughs> because we tend to go at each other pretty hard sure. and are also quite sensitive, too. Sure. So dish it, but can't take it. I, I Yes.
0: I, I believe that's true. <laughs> I believe that to be very true. And Matt Weiss is an excellent prep camp counselor. Um <laughs> That's terrible. Uh, these days, actually, we've tried to go back a little bit. Not this past summer, but the summer before we went to uh, f- like three meals a week, doing like Mondays, Wednesdays. It was Weighted. We- waited. And then Wednesdays would be pizza. They'd move the pizza from lunch to dinner and then serve it in boxes. So they'd bring a pizza box to the table.
2: Just a suggestion. Yeah. Let's get Xander's to replace OJ Pizza.
0: First of all, Xander's is the most disgusting thing I've I ever heard. I totally
2: eaten. disagree. Yeah, I think that's a controversial worst. statement. Let's, just, uh, Let's explore agree to disagree a little. Yeah, and move on.
3: Todd, I, I, Todd, I disagree. Oh, me? <laughs> well, I think okay. Xander, first, I, I disagree with Chris, Big Sexy that Xander's is gross. I love Alexander's. But OJ Pizza is, there's only one OJ Pizza. And, and it's it not has that a, good in my opinion. It has, I don't even know if it's pizza. It's like it's some Food Crew. Yeah, I don't even a, know how you describe it's it. The <laughs> it. It's, the only, it's the only pizza that I've ever put mustard on it. I was, was going it. <laughs> to that say, that's a pan, pan, butter, people, people mustard. People consistently oh, put mustard on yeah. the OJ Pizza, but they find it to be Great taste. Condiments
0: on by. the O. J. Pizza are really the secret key that make it work.
1: I also don't think we should give Xanders that much business oh. because Uh-oh. to be honest, the the guy is a bit of a Nazi. Yes, I was in the semi. Might be a better
0: one. Self proclaimed. Yes.
1: I was there this summer with my wife getting Xanders, and he talked to us for a half hour, and I've never heard more offensive things. And like, my wife was pinching me like to leave, but he wouldn't let and us just, go. You, uh,
0: I have to say, I'm a personal fan of Twelve Pines, but there's been yeah. a lot of great pizzas over there. I mean, you guys were there for the, the Belly Busters yeah. and stuff. I oh mean, yeah, uh, whatever it is now, oh, Butches. I guess Foxes. It's, Butches, Foxes was great. Belly, whatever. Butches is. is funny is,
3: to look back. Like Belly Busters, there's tw- there's twenty plus slices in a pizza and so, when you get a food run as a kid you, you're sharing with like one other person you're taking down 20 plus slices yeah, in a night for it's, sure those belly busters
2: people would keep the pizza box underneath their bed and eat it in the morning oh. like that's how like <laughs> valuable that pizza was totally tonight.
0: totally fine for one morning but like three days later when your counselor hasn't noticed and there's chipmunks in the cabin and you're yeah. like what is that smell yeah that's pretty rude uh what about food runs what other food runs we had a
2: legendary food run. Actually, it was like Cabin Thirteen? I believe we uh, had a oh, whole a whole um, operation gun. involving walkie talkies. <laughs> yeah.
3: uh, well, let's but, break it down. True. Sure. Statue of do Limitations
0: do is done on that, so you're good.
3: Well, I, I remember that we had we had teams of people <laughs> involved in the food run. We had a, a team in charge of collecting the orders. We had a and this was we, for some reason we decided we wanted to do this food run during. The Ojibwa Talent yes. Show, right. huge, oh. huge mistake. It's, it's an the early evening activity. It's daylight out. Um, usually food runs happen late at night after taps. Sure, no one's really up. And we, we ordered this ourselves. We decided we, we, we call this, of course. Of course. Yeah, we're we, in cabin thirteen. We're <laughs> in cabin thirteen. We call we all have cell phones. We we call it it in ourselves. So we had a team waiting for the food in the parking lot. We had a team waiting. On the Patriot courts because that's where we're going to eat it during while everyone was at the in the rec hall for the talent show. Sure. I if
2: there's like a supervision, like kind of like a lookout squad. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I can Hi. chime
3: in. I was yeah. part of the pickup team. Oh,
2: and
4: permission for that. You should, that part you of the should story, take, I'll take it from here. I think you can. That's what Daniel started the story. I don't know if this communicated through the podcast. I started rolling my eyes because you always I've listened to a lot of these and you always ask people tell a great camp story. This was going to be oh, my uh, great uh, camp story. Uh, uh, so. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on the pickup team. Daniel did a perfect job describing it. Where's
0: this food run coming from?
4: This is Buck's Bucks. Belly Buster, going back to the Belly Busters. So we have more pizza than you can imagine coming in. Sure. And we're talking (laughs) handfuls of Belly Busters. There's three people on the pickup team. It's me, Zach Cutchin... I'm like 99% sure it's Scott and I was going to confirm with him today, but Scott's <laughs> obviously not here to confirm the story. He but. would have
2: said yes no matter
4: what. 100%. <laughs> but Scott's not really important to the story. It's Zach Hutchin who's more important to the okay. story. And for our listeners that don't know Zach, Zach, how would you describe Zach? A little mischievous, yeah. kind of... Oh, yeah. <laughs> authority, Only, like, kind of like hates authority. It's sure. A rebel without a cause kind of Zach, guy. Zach
1: was once called to the yeah. green room when we got off the buses before we could even get to the cabin to Only put our bags, bags down. That's how bad yeah. he yeah. Only was.
2: Only in history to go from the Lamers bus <laughs> directly to the green room. And that was <laughs> the green room at that time. Yeah. Sure. With his duffels on the, he didn't get to go to his cabin. He was direct shot. So yes. perfect Zach story. Zach
4: Cutchin lined up. We know who Zach Cutchin is now. So we're standing there, the pizza guy drives in, he gets all his 10, 15 pizzas out of the back of his car, we pay the guy. We're standing there with these boxes of pizza, the three of us, and down the path through the parking lot, the dust is coming up, it's Denny Rosen on his golf cart. Oh. We're standing there, pizza's in hand, red-handed, dead to rights. He pulls up, and he goes, what the hell are you guys doing? And Zach Cutchin steps forward, and I just see this look in Zach's eye. He's about to make out this elaborate, ridiculous lie. I just, like, feel it in my bones that Zach's just going to lie through his teeth. And I grab Zach. I step forward. I'm like, Denny, you know what? It's on us. We ordered some pizzas. We're a little hungry. We're going for it. And what did Denny say? I can't remember. But you know that feel like, Denny, it's like your heart racing. As you see sure. Denny, what I really remember from that story is Denny coming down on that card path. And you're like
0: right you're just I mean, over six. right pants full you're like i'm d- oh, that, we're done he
4: really didn't take it too hard on us what he said he goes Well, you guys think for the pizzas you guys just fed the entire talent show and i think you oh, took yeah. it to the talent show yeah. well
1: yeah. I, I just remember i was in one of the groups i was with todd because todd had a walkie talkie and we were like in the woods like by the volleyball courts next to the parking lot basically and i just remember todd yelling abort abort and i see him start running and i just took <laughs> off running after him
0: true that's amazing <laughs>
1: That's, wow. That was great. Nice. Well, the food runs was the question. Yeah. I think when I think food runs, that's what goes to Marlon Higgins for me. Oh Cuz when man. you think about oh that's God. the segue into Marlon Higgins. Sure, yeah. There's yeah. a lot that let's we can talk about there. Way. But there was a food run a day when we had Marlon Higgins because whoever was commander of the cabin for the
3: day got a food so run. So let's break explain down who explain. Marlon Higgins. Well, sure. first of th- yeah. Marlon, Marlon, Higgins is. Marlon. So Marlon started in at camp in 98. Nine. 99. We were in cabin eight. Yeah. It was our fourth year at camp, and uh, we were a notoriously horrible cabin. Never won on our cabin Never won on our cabin. <laughs> cabin one, three, and five. We were terrible. Uh, green room all the time. Sure. Green room off the Lamers bus, as we just said. <laughs> It was a source of pride, so, though. You're yeah, we loved it. And here it comes, and then all of a sudden we step off off the bus. We're at like, "Who's our counselors?" And we see this big, towering guy, Marlon Higgins, African American. <laughs> no, no one, has any <laughs> Thanks, idea who, who this guy was. And we we quickly found out that Marlon is was a.
2: Good yeah. basketball player, supposedly get a full a, ride
3: to Georgetown. A great, ba- a, great guy. a great athlete, great basketball player, but also a a commander, a <laughs> yeah, dic- militaristic, a militaristic yeah. dictator. Oh yeah, <laughs> who who whipped us into shape as a cabin, figuratively and literally. At times. Yes, we had uh, perfect scores on our our morning cleaning. Nice. Uh, we had we ended up winning a bunch of honor cabins, but. A perk of Marlin, there's a ton of Marlin stories we can get into, Millions. but one of the perks is that Marlin refused to eat camp food, and required that someone get him or be involved involve him in every single food run and day. He would get picked <laughs> some, up somehow. He would have food for every lunch, and it would result in a bunch of uh, campers getting lunch food runs and that would happen a lot
2: i think what it was i if i remember correctly it was like for cleanup you would to send like four people really and like give everyone else it was like in shifts kind of
1: well right but there was one person every day the who judge. was the commander that's Correct. what he called them but like. so it was like a
2: free ride for everyone else but those like two or three whatever had to do everything kind of, sure. more or less and then they got the the food run and just another kind of moral story we wanted to cut out we'll definitely leave the name out of this one there was a really tough commander job one day. We had a
1: counselor oh come God. back, <laughs> and he had a rough night. Sure. I don't
2: know if this happened. It over. was collegiate week related. Oh yeah, oh.
1: He was not picked as a JC well, pick. Now, oh, we're ner- now we're narrowing it down. That's okay. Sure.
2: Um, and went out as a result, not very happy about being not picked. Sure. After he destroyed our cabin, and. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it was at night or in the morning, but we were told during cleanup not to go in the bathroom. We were not allowed to brush our teeth, use the restroom in cabin 12, I want to say. 12. Yes.
3: So Marlon pulls
2: a couple people aside, I believe I was involved with that. and Jeff, and says, go into the bathroom and take care of it. And we have no idea what he's talking about. There was a piece of shit, or multiple pieces of shit, on the bathroom floor as a result of one of our counselors... Who apparently lost control of his, himself. Sure. And uh, yeah. Marlon said, Take care of him, I'll take care of you. And I guess that's what we did, and we got food for it. it
1: uh, I it. did not participate in taking care of it. I Are remember you? being told to, but like I remember saying to Marlon, you're out of your fucking mind. I don't think I
2: actually was involved as well, but I think someone <laughs> did. I think we got rewarded I, to some extent. but
1: I don't know if we're painting enough of a picture of like who Marlon really Marlon is, though.
2: everything's tucked in, no one touches shoes, well, everything in but line. But let's put it
3: in perspective. Okay. So like camp Ojibwe is a Jewish yes. boys camp. The majority of the campers and counselors come from the suburbs of Chicago. right uh, were, campers that were campers and became counselors. There were campers and became counselors and all of a sudden there is this big guy. Uh, he's... A- and Denny loved him too. That was the thing. Who right. had no connection to camp, sim- similar to Chris Thompson. That's
0: true. And he was probably really a basketball guy, though. So he came in morning and it oh, might be morning, morning and sense five, of basketball right. yeah. in the morning. Well, he was
3: like
1: a god to us at first. Right. There's a transformation because at first it was like here's this guy, and he was telling us that he's debating between accepting a scholarship at Georgetown or Indiana to go play basketball. Full Here ride. we are, a bunch of pubescent Jewish white kids. Like, oh my God, this guy's a God. He's going to be in the NBA. He's our counselor and he gets us food runs. We're like enamored with him. We love him. And then slowly we start to realize that like the wheels are coming off and he's a psychopath. Chris, I'm
4: interested. This is our 13-year-old perspective of Marlon Higgins. You're there with Marlon. Yes. At this point, what do you think of Marlon
1: Well, I have to say,
0: I mean, and you guys will know this, like as a Cabin 2 counselor, he's over on the other side of the rec hall. We're not like, Hanging out day to day necessarily So I don't get a ton of Marlin action As it were uh, but I will say that Marlon was getting a little Marlon action with the camp nurse that I eventually got engaged to. Oh. so I got a little secondhand story from that. But
1: oh, can't so, wait! Yeah, yeah. well, it, well to
0: it, to I it, wish it was more exciting. To, it didn't get to, much to us, it around.
1: started to get weird because like we all loved him in Cabin aid. we had him in Eight, Ten, and Twelve, and right. like slowly over the years, we started to like stop loving him and realize that he was out of his mind. And he was lying about a lot and of I stuff. Think
4: a real key element of Marlon that we haven't brought up yet is he never went out. He never, was never. In- Every
2: single night. and, so ca- and there's so much interaction a, with them. And as a
3: camper, you love that. You right. loved, right. When, your, ca- always you loved there. when your counselors would stay Especially in. three
2: years in a row. Sure. It's right.
3: Hanging
4: out on the porch with Marlon all the time, right. those three years. Yeah. And then
1: Marlon started to get crazy, basically. He would threaten to nut
3: tap us. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, there was one, one time he, we'll one time he got upset with a camper. Oh, and oh yeah. He, and yeah. he, 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 it, it was is a major rainstorm. Man, one of a notora a big camp brainstorm, and he, he decided he was he just lost it. He just a, a switch turned off, and he just went berserk. And he decided to hold this camper by his legs out outside on the back of the. Uh, porch, on porch. the back porch or the back of the cabin just uh, holding him out in the torrential rainstorms. Yeah, by, oh, by six steps by his, up above oh, the yeah. By his ankles. Yeah. Like, so, like soaking wet.
1: That was the first time you, we were like, ran, ah, That could run to the
2: office immediately
3: to report on Marlon. And, and uh, needless happen. to say, did not come back. Yeah, that was his last year. Wow.
2: Yeah. yeah. But I think we, we liked Marlon and Nate. We loved him in ten, and then we hate essentially said to hate him in twelve. Gotcha. Just we were getting older. We weren't really into like the yeah. military school type of ever, you know, this and that. It was like and it was like a hate fear. He was an
1: intimidating yeah. Yeah. guy. He was that terrifying. Was yeah, It yeah.
3: was uh, the people that were there for those three years. It was it was ninety nine, two thousand, two thousand one. Right. Everyone who was at camp at that time knew Marlin and knew that he was this. Great basketball player and, and, and fun guy to have, but but he was <laughs> his his only, his only group of kids was us, so we were the only oh, ones see. we were the only ones who saw this. Just sort of behind maybe. the scenes. Yeah, we had the yeah. deep, dark secrets.
1: About four years ago, someone sent me an email with a link to bustedmugshots.com with a picture of Marlon. Uh, wow. Just to
2: throw this out there, we hope you're doing all right, bud. We yeah. love you, man. Yeah. Marlon, you're listening, listening, we do you, love you. Regardless of the ill words, we still uh, we still
0: <laughs> like you, bud. Nothing <laughs> but love.
2: Marlon once
1: sent the three of us, he, he had purple shirts made oh, yeah. that said Pearl, Elrod, and Gilly, and he sent them to us at our houses. Just really weird Stuff. He was wow. a weird guy. Huh. Definitely That's, a big impact on our Ojibwe experience. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, I think I'm starting to understand a whole lot more about everything yeah. all of a sudden.
1: Yeah, yeah. He touched time.
0: <laughs> who were yeah. the other guys? Uh, <laughs> Wait
1: a that, minute. That did not happen. <laughs> no.
0: Obviously, it was Scott.
1: Uh, <laughs>
0: who were the other guys? Who were the other counselors that were like your guys? That. Uh, I remember Kevin
2: Five. I loved uh, Andrew Merrill. I really liked that. Uh, Jimmy Marco. I think we Jimmy, had a Jimmy was in three. Oh, fine. I'm sorry. Meryl. No, and- Andrew Meryl was in five. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Name. Oh, really? You're right. <laughs> no, three was great, though. We had a Co- Michael Copens. Mm. Oh, three we- was Andrew right, So Lipsman. I was like a little bit of scared of storms, and I didn't like the... Tor- you know, I was a little ner- nervous back as a kid. Michael Copens could not have been a better count, And then we had like Andrew Lipsman, Brian well, Blitz. Uh, actually, here's a
3: unique camp history counselor, another first for our, our group. Our first year in '96 in Cabin one was also uh, Glenn Crawford's first year. Oh sure. So and everyone listening here knows Glenn now, just from visiting <laughs> camp or having him as a counselor. Um, and Glenn's been there from 96 on. And Glenn barely spoke a word of English when mm. he was our counselor in Cabin one. But he was this fun guy from Belize and he, he impacted us in that we were just these nine-year old kids. Uh, And it was his first time at camp. It was our first time at camp. And he, he, you know, we were you know, punching his stomach and climbing on him because <laughs> yeah. he was just this rock of muscle. Oh yeah! And it, it's just interesting now that Glenn is such a fixture at camp, and his first year was our for every time yeah, his I whole
4: family's a fixture. I, his whole oh, family's there.
3: Every time I see Glenn, he goes. He, we always talk yeah. about like, oh, you're. We all st- we started camp together. I'm, I was gonna try to do a Belizean accent, but the legend
2: of Glenn Crawford is way beyond Ojibwa. I bought a place in the West Loop. My neighbor. Happens to be his family is from Belize. I go, you ever heard of Crooked Tree, Crooked Tree Village? He goes, of course. I'm like, you know Glenn Crawford? He's like, well, I know of the Crawfords, but I've never met Glenn. <laughs> and
0: I'm like, Jesus, <laughs> he's like the king of the whole place.
2: He's like, no, 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 he's very big. Now. I'm like, okay. Wow. I'm like, known the guy like, my whole life. And I always told Glenn, I'm like, if I didn't have my dad, I'd want you to be my dad. Nice. Because I think he's like the greatest person Kindest in Kindest soul ever. ever. Absolutely. Yeah. Could Absolutely. rip someone in half, could kill you in an instant.
0: <laughs> You, will, you nice.
2: never forget the first time you should cancel. But also, it, it, that, oh God,
3: that yeah. same year, in 96, we had uh, Seth Wenig yeah. and Jimmy Marco as our, our counselors. And then That's, we had Jimmy again. And, and then we had Jimmy We had G- G- Jimmy, and, Broker, our we had Jimmy and, and... No, then we had Seth again in... And Jimmy. And Jimmy in and Jimmy five. In five. Right. They, they, wow. we had, that's I always a, think a a of Jimmy Marco. mix influence so right right, we had we had Jimmy and <laughs> Seth for comedic relief we have we had Glenn as the father figure we yeah uh, it, it was that was fun J- the
4: fisherman dude in cabin
3: Jason one, right? yes Good call Adam so
4: oh we had
1: couldn't a cab- tell you his last name <laughs> we had a
2: guy in uh, Levine Brett Levine got booted in our first or cabin three he like tailed someone
3: he got thrown out. Sel so Butler was one of our guys oh sure oh another Jimmy so Jimmy Marco was our first counselor he was our yeah. first year JC. And then when we were all first year JCs in two thousand four, Marco was still a staff man. So the evolution of of being being being, having going to be a counselor with your former counselor, Marco. I think he came he came back. He came
0: back for that. Jimmy Marco.
3: Jimmy
1: Marco's the guy I think of when I think of like what counselor impacted us the most. We had him twice. We're on staff with him. I mean. Years later, I still talk to Jimmy Marco. Like Adam and I went and visited camp with Jimmy Marco. Like nice. after we stopped being staffed. Agreed men. on Jimmy
4: Marco. Marlin's kind of his own category. Oh yeah. But like
1: a normal Ojibwa guys. I think of Jimmy Marco. Yeah, Jimmy, if you're listening, we love you. Love you. Amen.
0: Nice. A lot of love for Jimmy Marco right here. Yeah, but we on were pretty
1: lucky. Like in cabin with we
2: had like Lee Schneider. We had like really good guys who, Like like example, perfect Mar- Marco. Guys who came through the system were campers. <laughs> and then became counselors, and they're cool guys. I yeah, mean, me Harry, man.
1: Yeah. Marlon also came through the system. It was just a different system. Wow. But it's wow. All, it's all, it's all I wasn't so going to go there. I mean, but you saw it happening get over there in his head, and you're like, <laughs> mm-hmm. His <laughs> eyes
4: brightened up. He really wanted that one. <laughs> to
2: kind of bring me back to you and guys like Cody and, and sure. other guys like that, it's a very different experience dealing Cody with counselors. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's very different uh, dealing with counselors who were at camp who versus who were never campers. Absolutely, sure. they... You know, as fun as it is, and as cool as they want to be, they just really don't get that. That's so interesting. We
3: really had a really great mix of counselors. We did. We had a phenomenal counselors who were new to camp that had a huge impact on camp, and a. on the other side, counselors who had such a fixture of a lifelong camper counselor. Yeah. We had a good mix of both. JD Williams. I was going to say was a counselor of in, ours. In
0: thirteen, you guys would have had Tamir, Cody, yeah, JD, JD, maybe Narav. R- uh, Nirav. You guys like Love a, Nirav. the whole run of those guys. Plus Glenn, plus me. You got? Did you have JT at anywhere along the way?
1: No, I co- I coached we the week with JT because yeah.
3: we always had. We Marlon. did have Ozzy. <laughs> of course you. Have. Oh, oh, we okay. did Imagine oh, oh, uh, so this: Tyler Condon, Harry Matthew, Ozzy, and Marlon. We're our. Oh, our four staff <laughs> men. It Kevin. perfect. Wow. It's perfect. It's perfect. Ozzy and Marlon sharing the same oh. side of a Nightmare. Of the porch. Like, are, are you kidding me? I'm
0: surprised they didn't kill each other. Me
3: too. That was That's the same funny. year
2: that Harry Matthew challenged me to a fist fight when him and Ozzy were running around the cabin knocking over Cubbies. <laughs> Kindly asked Harry to clean up his mess and told me to F <laughs> off. And I then started trying to fight me. So luckily the cops nice. were there to restrain him.
0: Nice. Uh, so you mentioned then becoming counselors. Uh, so uh, I guess we'll we'll get back to fourteen later. But uh, what's that transition like for you guys? Like suddenly becoming the responsible ones.
1: Uh, it was tough for me. The first like week, I remember being tough. I was also co-counselors with Goldner, who although he became you know super staff man, who everyone loved at Ojibwa, he he was not responsible for anything at first. True. And, and I'll, just to chime in, I actually <laughs> loved
2: the transition, maybe for not great reasons, but. I thought it was beautiful, man. Like, you just, you didn't have to, you weren't, like, four, I mean, you had assignments as refing and coaching and whatever, but, like, you didn't have to do anything. you throw your sandals or shoes on, you go, you do your thing. Like, there's a camp, you're running yeah. around like a maniac. I was like, I was happy to kind of chill out. That obviously wasn't doing as much in the cabin. I watching. grew
1: to love it, but I missed being in 14 at first. I loved being sure. a counselor. But eventually, I loved it. it so, was great.
3: when we were counselors for the first year, it was 2004, and that was a unique year to be a counselor. Amazing because... Year it happened that a lot of old counselors decided to come back again. Victor was Victor. still Victor was still a counselor, but Marco came back <laughs> J as a Rob. counselor. J-Rob yeah. came back as a sure. counselor that year. Uh, great staff. Like, it, Matazar was there. A lot of guys. A, a lot of Sam great Matthew guys. Matthew, shout
2: out. <laughs> you know, the
3: Kornblatt's, Catelyn's, <laughs> uh, both it Robinsons. Just, it was a really fun group. We'd go to in-laws.
2: The Robinsons would be behind the bar. Right, I course. mean, like, that was like, it was like, an extension of Capo Jimbo. We went there. It was like our bar. And I have a little different perspective on O4 because I actually
4: took off the summer of o4 because I stayed home. I played high school basketball, football, that right. whole thing. So from '14, I took the first year of JC off. So I think that helped with the transition a little because you were a year removed or almost two years removed from being a camper playing sports all day. But I do remember going up to visit you guys like two or three times that summer, and it was amazing. I mean, that transition from camper to consular, it is Definitely demarcation. They are two entirely different yeah, experiences, for sure,
0: for sure. And when you came back, you came back the next year, right? In thirteen,
4: right? So I, yeah, I was a second year JC in
3: cabin thirteen. It was a, with there was Danny a
0: Schroeder. huge conversation. First I mean, that was a big J. big, big wait, wait, deal. Wait, wait.
3: What is that? What, let's explore that. Why I, I still have I still take issue with that. Well, I don't know whose decision was it, but I don't understand how a first year staff man mm-hmm. goes straight from being a camper takes a year off, but goes straight from being well, a camper to straight into cabin 14. Well, uh, 13. Are you talking 13? More, cabin 13. Are you
2: talking more about like the pull of getting a 13 or in the sense of like why he's in there to begin with?
3: I, I thought that. Yeah.
2: Is, Cause I, I feel like camp's motto is 13 and 14 need like less supervision in a sense. Cause they're older kids whereas the other cabins are younger and need well, more supervision.
0: I, to some degree, but, but I would also say that typically the supervision in 13 and 14, you need a little age difference oftentimes because sure. you can't have a 17-year-old trying to get a 16-year-old to get out of bed. You need, you need to have a little distance. And I think there was
4: a practical component to it also. That year there was a ton of JCs. Mm-hmm. There just wasn't room to put us places. And what you were saying, Chris, in the sense that you do need that age gap. And while there wasn't an age gap, it was me and Danny Schroeder were the two JCs, and just physically, we're kind of bigger guys. And right. I kind of think there was a component of that a little mm-hmm. bit. Absolutely, I think
1: that was one of the best years at camp two oh five. I mean, Daniel Todd and I were together with Matt Baba, Danny Hazen, and Ryan Levitt. I mean, all that was the most all fun. Guys staff. were still best friends with. What we a crew! We had such a fun year.
0: What a crew! Is that the crew? Is that the year Hannah was there? As well, that
1: yeah. no, 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 Le- no. Daniel and I watched that whole thing happen. Le- Le- so, so this is Levitt. Levitt, yeah. yeah. who
3: we're now very close with because of our, our cousins are m- married to Ryan's sister, whatever. Mm. Uh, but Ryan was not a counselor when he met Hannah. Ryan was visiting camp. Oh Hannah. right, right, right. And they, they, they struck a relationship right. while he was visiting. Oh,
1: Hannah was seeing someone else. Like yes, Hannah. that is correct. Well, she, was, got this she was. I don't two. remember who, but Scott Levy. I right. I was.
0: Yeah. A, there was a Levy in there, right? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> are uh, the Levy boys. Uh, How yeah. are they? Does anyone talk to those nah. guys? No.
2: I saw Scott you know Levy what? recently. It's Scott Beacon's <laughs> Adam <actually>. does. Someone <laughs> said they I, 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 best were best buds. I keep in touch with Chris <laughs> Chez. Oh, sure, of course. And uh Chez says he ran into uh, and Reed Adler and they said they ran into the Levy's so, like for the first time in 5 years recently. Yeah. So I, I mean, I haven't heard or seen any of
0: them and, since they were camp or since they yeah. were counselors.
2: Spoke so, to him for 5 minutes. He looks great. Excellent. Always did. Excellent. Yeah. Something we got to touch on back in our I, camper days, I think, is the Quagga. Hold on. Before you go there, I,
0: I just want to put one okay. button on that. And, and honestly, the fact that you stayed home and played high school sports was probably the biggest key factor. Because, A, you took the year off, which did give you kind of this fake age gap, but also that you were at home playing high school sports gave you this sort of a little swagger that a normal JC wasn't walking around with. And I, think, and I will tell you that was part of the decision. The two biggest, strongest guys
2: in the age group got it. Schroeder and Gilly. Well, there you go. Well, I'll just let you guys say it. I won't. know. It's funny
0: to <laughs> so humble. Royal rumble. Daniel's still mad. He also has an incredible you lineage at camp. I All mean, right. the Gilberts go back to the very uh, beginning. I days gotta get
2: this on the record because you love wrestling. Sure, we, like,
3: we have a little history there. Absolutely.
2: We had a cabin Royal Rumble in ninety or ninety-five in cabin five, which was not whatever. No, no, name. this
3: was Marlon set it up. Oh, this was, was this it? was yeah, this is uh, cabin no, ten. both years. So, anyways, we had
2: a cabin Royal Rumble. Love but it. was it. sumo style. So okay. It's like sure. you're
3: on a mat, push them off the mat, the out. Muscle Beach. And this was Russell a real Beach. deal Royal Rumble. We picked numbers out of yeah, the hat be... on when the person was in. I love right. knows how this is. Sure, works. of course. <laughs> I'm <laughs> Time somewhat familiar with this system. <laughs> the system. Uh,
2: no entrance music, though. So, anyways, we had intervals. I don't know what number I drew, but it was a pretty opportunistic number. Sure. And it, it was three guys left me, Schroeder, and Gilly. And just like the typical <laughs> wrestler, I'm watching these two go at it near the ropes, push them both out, and I was the last wow. standing. <laughs> <Yeah>. The funny <laughs> backstory is I got a Whopper, and I was so picky with food. I hated, like, mayo, ketchup, and all that crap. Sure. And the guy gives me, like, here's your Whopper. I didn't even eat the goddamn thing. Wow. I'm so pissed. <laughs> yeah, right but I did win the Royal Rumble. But that was so. your trophy, the Whopper. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's significant.
4: Yeah. It was yeah.
0: more about pride. But sure, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, our first bonding absolutely came with wrestling trivia back in the day. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, you know. I mean, I keep up, but... Chris, what was your first year? Uh, My first year was 2000, 2000. but I skipped 01 because I was going to marry Rhonda that summer didn't pan out <laughs> good for everyone. Nice <laughs> congratulations Robert. that's good she got married less than a year later now it's three mazel tofu. yeah listen
3: yeah. this is
0: yeah yeah it's
3: good She's so it only took Mexican you baby. it only took you three years and then you were in 14 yeah two camp years two camp three years, actual and years
1: and then i was in 14 let let's flip this on you for a minute what sure. was your take of us in 14 yeah. you had been with the younger kids sure all of a sudden you're in 14 we're your first group right Talk to us. Uh,
0: so I had a little experience because the uh, the two years prior, I would do the play with the older guys, okay. and then I would be there for uh, Jubilee rehearsal. So I would, I would interact with some of them sort of constantly. Right. But this was the first time, being in 14. Um, being in 14 comes with a lot of things. So not only am I getting used to you guys as a group, but I also got... Elliot and Snower <laughs> and be- being a co-counselor with them and sort of finding my place in that. Cause Elliot hasn't really, Elliot hadn't really had somebody leaned on in a long time. And now the whole reason of us having three guys was because there were so many of you guys.
4: Do you have a relationship with Elliot at that point because of, uh, Stunt night the yes. play, the musical. I the actually Jubilation. probably have
0: more of a relationship than he has with me, at least in my head, because sure. because he's like, you know, because of that stuff, he's the main guy I interact with probably the whole first year. Like, he and Denny are the two guys I really deal with. Um, and since so I'm not coaching or whatever, I'm not in right. that world as much. So, yeah, so he and I are – and Snower was always great. I mean, Snower was always funny. And so there's that, but we <laughs> – we come in, and, and you guys, so there's some level of, you know, it's also the new st- newer staff guy with the older kids. You always want to impress the older kids. You want to have a good relationship. with I mean, you guys have been staffmen. You know how that works. Like, the the cool old kids are the kids you want to be friends with, right? And so then there was also Goldner. But figuring out how to be <laughs> friends with you guys and kind of get into that mix. Um, and then we went to the Dells. <laughs> <And> I- <laughs> And I think that uh, the Dells is where it all all sort of came together. We all got to do a lot of bonding on that trip, particularly at the water park, riding the water slides over and over. I think that's where it all kind of, Cowabunga kind of brought it all together. And so from that point on, (laughs) um, it really is about that trip. And And I've actually said that many years after that. In fact, now, like, for 14 to click in with the guys who are now in there and the staff that are in there, you have to that trip together, that's what that's important for. The whole first week is about 14ers learning how to suddenly be in charge of camp and kind of getting their footing with every other cabin and learning their place with that. Then you go on the Dells trip, and that's where you figure out as a unit what you're going to be. I,
3: I, speaking personally for a second, I, I was so happy that I, was, I, that I went first four in 14. I was struggling with the stay at home and do varsity basketball or sure. go to camp. For the first four and 14 uh Elliot came to my house in highland park and we had a long dinner and and to talk about whether i should stay home and whether to come to camp and I, it's true and i decided to come to camp for the first four and forego the summer basketball uh, and, I, and i look back on it and have no regrets because part of it was that dell's trip and how close our cabin was that first four and just yeah. that first four for young guys who are listening to this it's 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 the most memorable first 4 weeks of camp uh, that I think we I ever had
1: yeah, I can second that, and, and sorry to Gillian Goldner. I'm sure you guys had a lot of fun at camp, too. <laughs> no, that was, as a camper, the best four weeks I've had, though. Yeah. It was great. We became the officers of the Braves. We um, did the Dells trip. It really was just unbelievable. Todd, I don't
4: know about you, but Elliot didn't come to my house and beg me to go to camp <laughs> no, for. Can, can
1: we
2: have a fun little transition here with this whole water slide and Todd missing Oh, yeah. Todd wouldn't have wanted gone down water slides or been in pools and stuff because I didn't like Catfish Lake or really the lake or he the didn't water like in general. It or he didn't made, like it. Or he
3: made up a a, a disease. disease. <laughs> so here's the deal: <laughs> cabin three,
2: I come, get off the bus ninety seven. They throw you in the lake. It's like five degrees. You sure. know, I swim across. I said like swim like, test. I'm, swim test, sure. I'm like hypothermia. sure. <laughs> I'm like hypothermia and they're like dying, can't breathe. Hold on to the rope. They like pull me out, and. Oddly enough, my sister had this condition—cold
1: water, your curry, or whatever—where you, I guess, get hives. That sounds real. Which yeah. we years later looked up, and it's not even what it's called. Uh, well, I can't pronounce it, but <laughs> it's
2: basically a reaction to uncontrolled water, so you get hives and whatever else skin sure. reactions. So that was a tough experience. Luckily, Findor was there then, who was my second grade teacher at home and at oh. uh, Red Oak, and was a little cool with me and helped me out. Like, yeah, you don't have to go in the water. So I was like new to camp. He didn't want to like scare me off. Sure. Next year, come back, full-fledged doctor's note. Didn't go in the lake
1: once until I was... I can tell you. Because, I, yeah, so our last my last year there, I go down to the waterfront. Todd has not gone in the lake my entire time at camp with Nine him. Years He's gotten out of waterfront, having a lifeguard, do any of that stuff of because that, yeah. of this made-up thing that he has. And I go down by the waterfront. We're 20 years old at this point. He made this thing up when he was 10. And I see him in an inner tube in the lake playing with one of Lodi's kids splashing around in the water. <laughs> having, having climbing a... up the political
4: ladder. Oh He's yeah, Lodi's.
1: And, and now, mind you, we the four of us had gone on the rafting trip with Knockman and Elliot right. a couple of years earlier, okay. where you shower in 45 degree water, right. so Todd didn't have cold water to cure you then. <laughs> <laughs> Bottom line, I was, I'm a land guy. was not sure. in the water, the
2: water stuff at camp, and these guys all hated me and because was, they'd have to go war canoeing and all this other <laughs> crap, and I'm sitting there either with Salsi on a chase boat or like whatever else. Just hanging out and then the
1: Todd's a pussy. The real culmination,
2: <laughs> the real culmination of this was in what cabin thirteen? When you guys had to there was like a trip day activity that we had to do as a cabin. Oh yeah. This is a great one. So everyone in the cabin had to participate with I don't know, like a war ca- what'd you guys do? I don't know. Yeah, it was like that. war canoeing. Okay. And then Danny had this big barbecue set up for like he's in a treat cabin thirteen and sure. do this whole thing for them. So obviously I can't go in the water. So, Denny makes me his, like, personal assistant chef. And mind you, my nice. track record to this point at camp uh, isn't very strong. For sure. Some issues in cabin 12, you know, just, you know some other so, stuff yeah. like that. So, you know, so that, that, just, that one day. It's
3: Todd's opportunity to get on Denny's good side.
2: Unbelievable. So, that one day, I just was with Denny, Denny all day with these guys were out in the lake, having a blast, I'm sure. And uh, Denny just we, we bonded. We created, like, you know, somewhat of a, obviously, like, a friendship beyond, you know, a, a camper and yeah. uh, director. And from then on, it was just, like, kind of, you know, very good relationship. And then everyone else was continually bitter on that as well, because now I'm um, Denny's good side. Plus, I never have to do lifeguarding, even as a staff man now. Sure. So, you know, I get out of all the activities during activity periods, then on staff, everyone's sitting in these lifeguards or doing whatever, and I'm chilling, you know, out of the UA or whatever else. Wow. So, lot of resentment from these guys about that, that
1: situation, I think.
0: That's impressive. I had yeah. no idea. Correct.
1: Yeah, a lot of resentment. You can yeah. tell the resentment really bothers him, huh? He no, cares less about I, the whole I thing. Yeah, as he, no one can see him, but he's smiling like an <laughs> yeah, <"That's right."> right. <laughs> <laughs> Worked out for me.
0: Nice. Uh, one thing I want to talk about, um, Collegiate Week. Yeah. Let's talk about Collegiate Week. Let's, uh, let's save the stunt talk for a little bit, but let's just talk about the week in general.
1: Adam's probably the only one here who wants to talk about Collegiate yeah. Week.
0: <laughs> How many people in this room have won the week? Uh, ought please say so because hands won't change.
1: Adam Gilbert, I've won collegiate week twice, actually. And now silence. <laughs>
0: Fair enough.
2: Gilly won <laughs> as the 1 2 when he should have been the 1 1 with horrible coaches. No offense to anyone that's listening to this. Wow.
1: So, like, Todd taking shots at Andy Hirsch and uh, Gilly's coaches.
0: Hey. Hirsch was the 1
1: 1. Gilly's yes. my man.
2: When he was in 14, he was the 1-1, and I was the 1-2. Gilly was clearly better. He won the week. Huh. And then Gilly somehow miraculously won within his But whole... we had the
0: Bill
3: Belichick of coaches. Ozzie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the great thing about Adam. <laughs> the great thing about Adam Gilbert as an uh, Ojibwe athlete, one sure. of the best in the history of camp, 1-2, one, 1-1. One, one. He, he went first pick over Jason Kipnis, who's a major league right. baseball player and athlete. Um, it just goes to show that our age group was, I think, the best group of athletes. If you go
2: when we're in 12 to the Catlin and group in 14, that watermelon is debatably one of the strongest watermelons, like, in... Of all time, I think people have said that that's. A I'm
1: guessing player. a lot of people come on here. I've heard a lot of these podcasts, everyone seems to think that their you know age group is really good, right? So yeah. you're probably sitting there smiling, thinking that well, we're no one had a major league baseball are.
0: player come
2: out of the 1-5, <laughs> well,
1: Whatever. To be it was. fair, that is the Ojibwe way. <laughs> but we really were sure.
0: No, absolutely, <laughs> no. absolutely. Uh, no, you guys were great athletes. There was a, a especially a, you put it well, Ojibwe athletes. That's a different thing, right? Like, absolutely. Um, Jewish. No, no, no Gilly, not, that's not right. what I mean. There's a, there's a reason Kipnis wasn't the one. But well, we right. weren't just Ojibwe right. athletes.
2: Because right. there's
0: more to it than just mm-hmm. what, you know. Gilly,
2: Gilly would make guys on his team that were very, very bad good. Exactly. And that was when he'd Absolutely. stall out Watermelon to conserve his baskets. And he would do things I, differently. You, know, you,
3: you, never, you never see Elliot. Elliot doesn't stop many games for certain reasons. I, yeah. I have a vivid memory Same. when we were in 14 of Elliot stopping a trail court basketball game because because Adam Gilbert was stalling to preserve his last basket and, and like quarter stalling quarter, like quarter like, like stalling at the end of the second quarter because it's a two point game and he wouldn't take a shot until the last second Elliot hold it hold it hold it Hey, Mr. Gilbert, get over here.
4: A- I had some really heated debates with Elliot about this, and for our old-time Ojibwa people that are listening, Ojibwa has this reputation as this is the competitive sports game. Right, absolutely. Winning a- comes above all. That is what Ojibwa is and about. And you
0: weren't cheating by any stretch.
3: So hey, the- Adam, the- it's, it's actually kindness, respect, and fair play. Yeah. Sorry, Denny, was. sorry, Denny.
4: But winning is pretty high up on that priority <laughs> list. And there was a rule put into place where you can only have 12 field goals in a basketball Right. Game. So, trying to win the game, strategy, I would try to slow the pace down, stall, whatever you want to call it. Elliot thought I was ruining the game. And I go, Elliot, I didn't make up the rules. Those are the rules. And we'd have these really long, heated conversations with it. And what it's worth, I still think Elliot's wrong about
0: that. (laughs) If you're staying within the rules, I mean, it may not be in the spirit of what they were hoping for, but... You gave him the rules, and you're trying to win. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Hey, just for I a fun to... fact, our last basketball game ever, me and Gilly, trail court, double overtime, we beat him. So.
0: Wow. I ran out of
2: baskets. <laughs> he ran out of baskets. <laughs> he didn't play it smart that game. And Brandon Burr couldn't hit a shot. Oh. I don't want to throw Brandon Burr into the bus, but he does that's, that's, okay. nice. that's, that's very nice
3: of you. very nice of you. Anyway, uh, collegiate week. So collegiate week. Uh, I, I, the best I finished in collegiate was my first year in 96, third place. So I didn't really have great experiences in collegiate week and I, I might be in the the minority category when I, collegiate week wasn't my favorite part of camp it, it wasn't my favorite way to end camp um I, in the olden days my dad would tell me you know, collegiate week used to be the the sixth week of camp it, right. it was an all eight week camp it was the sixth week of camp and then you went back to your league play to me that's that's great you most of the camp Ninety percent of the camp is is leaving as as a loser, um, and only a few t- people are are leaving as winners. Um, I think Collegiate Week, you you end camp as being connected to your team versus being connected to your cabin. Camp has has done a much better job recently sure. on reconnecting kids from their team back to the cabin. But to me, I, I think you know Collegiate Week just. I didn't love how I ended camp with Collegiate. I like the league play. I like the cabin bonding.
1: I would fully disagree. I love <laughs> I love ending camp with Collegiate Week. I love the buildup. Part of Collegiate Week is that like there's buildup the whole time. Yeah. Like the playoffs in second four is like oh who's doing really well? How's that going to impact your draft stock? Like I think Collegiate Week the hype up to it and then ending with it as an older camper and then as a coach I thought it was so much fun I thought it was the be- the best I loved ending like that I get what you're saying about the cabin bonding at the end but I loved ending with collegiate look week. I'm a
3: very competitive athlete uh, but I, I I didn't like collegiate week so much that I I opted out of coaching my last year and chose to ref
2: no I, I agree with Alred in the sense of what he's what he's talking about but as far as collegiate week goes it's to me, it's, it's the same thing as like a fantasy football league. It's like you get the hype, the JC picks, the, the naming of the head coaches. Sure. Like all that, the round, the order of the picks. And then there's so much hype, the forming of the teams, it's so exciting. And then, naturally, you're kind of going downward from there unless you're one of those upper echelon teams. Now you, know, you got to write a stuff. As a coaching camper, it's different. As a camper, you're just, you know, even if you're out, it's still fun, like it's collegiate, but I think as a coach... If you're kind of out of it or it's not going well, it's just like, man, what the hell am I doing? It's just, It kind of is like a bummer to me to end the summer sometimes doing the week. But like I said, some weeks are better than others as far as finishing well. I got third place a couple times. I think I should have won in whatever year. I got Ben Levine. I'll never let you live this down. You left me and we lost the week because of you. Oh,
0: we had golf. But uh, right?
2: my favorite... My favorite collegiate week experience. Yeah, they got rained out, and he didn't even make the team. So, right.
0: um <laughs> so <laughs> how really feel. Yeah, hold on. So let that, let him me. jump in before you go to experience.
4: Just to echo a lot, I agree that the hype before collegiate week, I think, is the best part. The yeah. JC picks, the order of the first round, what head coaches are going to pick. And some of my most vivid memories of campus, sitting with you three guys, the four of us, with other members in our cabin – mock drafting like eight rounds out like we're doing this is like pre-fantasy football for us we're mock drafting all the kids in camp and I would like counselors would want to talk to me that were coaches and you're like ranking the Uh, 10 year old kids who's good at floor hockey who's going to be a good ping pong player the hype is what I really liked and all that stuff
1: I remember being in sixth grade during the off season of camp and being on the phone with Zach Cutchin for like three hours doing a mock draft for the next summer's collegiate week.
0: <laughs> like, that's how big of sure, a deal absolutely. it was. Absolutely. Spiral notebooks are like gold for those two weeks. Everyone's like, I got to get a notebook. I got to write this stuff down. Yeah, absolutely.
2: There are some redeeming things about the week, though. So, let's say you're not doing well and you know things are going crap as a coach or a player. You know, you give a great coach, great team. For example, Notre Dame, I was in Kevin 13, had Brett Pearson, Gordy Singh, and Samson on my team. Gordy Singh was the coach. And we were cra- I mean, we should have been good, you know, all that, but we weren't that good. But we won stunt night. We did Judy, the playoff. I it was really, going
0: to say, if we're, let's get into Judy Judiger, because one of my favorite stunts all the time, Judy Judiger.
2: We had True so story. much. I mean, stunt rehearsals a bitch. Everyone's like, meet at the wherever, we're singing, you know, do it again, do it again. Everyone's out of their mind. They hate stunt rehearsal. It's, like, it's a nightmare. It's a pain in the ass. It's like, when are we done? We had so much fun at stunt rehearsal. We would just sit there and go through lines and improvise and just do different stuff, wrestling moves, all this stuff. And it was literally like, it overshadowed the entire week of the losing. Like, we mm. went to a hockey shootout and Samson missed like, bull- <laughs> shots. Like, he was like a hockey god and like he sucked. But, like, all I remember, really, I take from that week is just, like, that fun stunt and then we pulled it off. We won stunt night. And it was just so fun work with me and Gordy would watch Rudy and, like, just try to, like, you know, take off, like, funny lines. and. It was just great. We the best. That was one, That was. You make favorite.
0: a great point. Stunt and I can really save a week for a yeah. team. And even a good... I mean, you know, it can also win the week for a team, sure. too. But
2: I mean, we finished in like 9th, 10th place, but it was my favorite week of all time. So
3: one thing that I, I, I... Even though I'm not the biggest Collegiate Week fan, there's the, my favorite part about Collegiate Week was as a, as a first-rounder going to the Chanticleer hmm. and drafting the teams in, yeah. the, in, the, in the war room itself with with Elliot up on the pedestal and all the, the coaches and the first rounders in the room drafting the team, you you're, you're take a bus with the, all the other first rounders in the town, and when you come back from town, you're, everyone's pumped up about their team, I have the best team, no, I have the best team, look at my T yeah. V, my prep is the best, um, everyone's talking, and then you, you pull up into camp and you're pulling down Ojibwe Drive on the far field and you start hearing. You know, the cars beeping, you start hearing the claps. The hype, um, it's the best part. The hype, of it. You yeah. Start, you, see, you see all the camp lined up uh, out in their cabins, and you pull up in the van as a first-rounder, and you come out with your shirts, and you go to your spot. Uh, for the forming of the teams, that that's I think was my favorite
2: number. Speaking of the war room, really quick, I think one of my favorite things to do is yell out another number of a kid when it's not your turn and see Elliot flip out, <laughs> or or JD Williams for that matter, for doing the Olympics because sure. it just creates total havoc sure. in there and it's, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a stuff. real
0: spe- within a within the fraternity that is Ojibwa, which is already exclusive and rare enough. There is this other fraternity that are the guys who've been to the Chanticleer. It's a small number of people, really, all time that have gone and done that experience.
1: It, Chris, you were you were talking stunt night, and I'm just now remembering oh, we yeah. actually had another little blow up fight, the two of us. Oh, uh, this so is good. I don't really remember. First year is. JC coaching Wisconsin with oh. Julius Timmons. <laughs> And yeah. <laughs> our stunt was kicked off stage within about what sixty seconds, probably. Yeah, I'd say sixty seconds. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I was definitely wrong, but I remember us having a, Can we get some a words. Why was it kicked off? Uh, <laughs> Rory exactly. We did some racy stuff. Right. There right. was a, a like a child sex slave type. Thing. It wasn't. We didn't yes. say that out loud, but you it was that enough, Jeff. It was child sex, a, sex it was, slave. And, got and it.
0: Rory yeah. Murphy was actually playing Jesus because Kanye's yeah. Jesus walks right. was being played County as he US walked on. in. Yes, right, and he was
1: feeding this kid Skittles and it was it, anyways t- thomas and i had some words out, outside afterwards cuz i was like what we rehearsed it you didn't tell me we were going to get disqualified
3: you know we're talking about st- we're talking about stunt night and it's unfortunate cuz scott's not here uh, so cuz his bro- his brother lee was the was the best stunt writer i think Air in Force. our in our, Ojibwe, yeah. in our right. era uh, he, he would write a Lin Manuel-esque <laughs> stunt. Sure. Before Lin Manuel wrote Hamilton and In the Heights, mm-hmm. Lee Bagan was writing st- stunts to all rap. Right. If he yeah. was Jack R- Bauer, R- he'd be
4: on Broadway right now. <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
0: <laughs> ah, uh, yeah. I mean, that stunt is definitely regarded in the modern era as by far the greatest stunt of all. But um, what are some of you? What are some of your stunts that I'm not thinking of? Uh,
2: I had a pretty famous one in Cabin 12. We did a little Bill and Ted takeoff. Me and Zemmel. <laughs> And for whatever reason, we had Zach Dillamendis being his underwear in the background.
0: 12 is the year I wasn't there. So, okay. So this, yeah.
2: this is actually pretty interesting.
0: So, we had a
2: lot of. 12 uh,
3: being 2000. Cabin 12. 2001. 2001.
2: 2001. So, our, counselor, our, our coaches are Lee Schneider and Harry Matthew. And we're doing a lot of uh, drug references, this and that. Now, remember, I'm still in Cabin 12. And, you know, even if you're in 14, you're still a kid and stuff like that. Sure. These counselors are kind of, you know, responsible. So, there was a script written. And you know binger rippers things of that nature. You can cut that if you need to. Um, but there was lines that we were being, we were saying off the script in rehearsal that was being okayed by our coaches. Like it's like say this instead of that. So like the script looked clean or cleaner. Sure. But what we were actually performing was hey let's like say this.
0: And that's a classic recipe for disaster. Exactly. Just FYI.
2: <laughs> so we did. We actually were able to pull off the entire stunt, but the next morning which didn't help. There was another counselor situation where someone left their cabin unattended for the second time and got fired. So three guys walked. I was on the steps of the, of the chief's tenor or whatever it was then, while those three counselors were getting absolutely screamed at. There's sure. been a whole
3: podcast on Yeah. Uh, yes. oh, on so that we story. know all about that. I was
2: on the white steps on deck <laughs> to see Denny <laughs> after that. So you can only imagine. I walk in after that. Denny takes control. Lee Schneider, you're not invited back. He are not invited back. You won't be a constant, blah, 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 blah. Get, you know, and it eventually resolved itself where the, the coaches said, we knew what they were saying. We, you know, they weren't coming back anyways. And yeah. they kind of took the fall and then, you know, thank God I didn't get thrown out of camp. But that was a pretty close one there with the the content we went forward with on stage sure. there. Adam, you
3: did a good stunt, but you're not, you're not, a Adam's not a big stunt guy. He's obviously a, a, a great coach and a great athlete, but sure. stunt was never A Adam's little more thing.
0: reserved when it comes yeah. to the stage.
3: It was not my strength. I will
4: admit that, sure. stunt night. Steve Alrod, I'm sure you're going to listen to this. He always makes, I always bring this up, We. he was talking about Book of Mormon, I believe. I hadn't seen it yet at the time. Okay. And he goes, even you, Adam Gilbert, would like Book of Mormon. And I go, Steve, what the hell does that mean? I still bring <laughs> that up to this day. But the two years I did win Collegiate Week, we had really good stunts. One was with Princeton. We did it was like a Billy Joel musical.
0: This oh, is yeah. with uh Ireland, Ireland. is sweeping the floor, right when he Correct. comes across. instant. Yeah.
4: Yeah. And, and I knew my role. I kind of, I think it was the narrator of that one. It yeah. was smart. Uh, yeah. well know pointed. your role, play, do your job. <laughs> and then when I won as a coach, Adam Korn was the head coach. I was the assistant coach, and it was a Beauty and the Beast spinoff in Highland Park, actually.
3: Oh, okay. And
4: it was, again, it was a musical. Adam Corn oh, right. wrote the whole thing. I think Adam not I, really I
3: think Adam Corn wrote that in like eighth grade, saving it for. Was that
0: the nice year time. that you had to use the items? So yes, you,
1: you there was moved. a lot, lot of controversy over their winning stunt, right? Because we didn't. Everyone was arguing they didn't use their. They used like a basketball hoop,
0: but they just kept using it on
1: they stage. They just physically. put it
0: around someone's neck.
2: And yeah, it
1: was not incorporated. But it, into it wasn't really part yeah. of the stunt, right? so there was a little controversy. So Gilly shouldn't have won the week. Oh basically. no, no, no! <laughs> I was
0: on, I was on their side in the fight. I thought that they, you know, they brought that music. I
1: wasn't much, but it was kind of hard. We only did that
0: one year, right? With the objects uh, no. we we struggled through with it for a couple more years it was the problem was we did the objects because guys weren't able to come up with stunts the right, stunts were yeah. so terrible but the secret is that stunts
3: are always terrible.
0: There's only I ever was like, was two good stunts of, a year. I
3: was, I was never a part of one of those legendary stunts. Right. they
0: just aren't that many. to be honest. Like, every stunt night, there's them. one or two really right, You remember really the great ones, ones but the vast Dr. majority Lusky of them and, are awful. Absolutely. I'll and I, have, I will tell uh, you, these days, now in your days, getting thrown off was a huge deal. That was super rare.
1: Back I had back-to-back DQs.
0: These days, <laughs> uh, I don't know if it was this year or last year, I think I DQ'd three teams. And also wow. too, the, the threshold might be a little. I'll bit come lower. on at the end and I'll be like, "Ladies and gentlemen, every time they said D's nuts,' that was inappropriate. Please judge accordingly." Oh, that's
3: great. I like that. <laughs> or I'll be
0: like, uh, "And that was a drug reference." Just so everyone in the room knows, that was a drug reference. Now, Thank I, you. I,
3: I heard that they're they're starting to bring back a separate song night. Oh yeah,
0: it's already split. Yeah, so we've I, done not, that for several so years. So
3: ninety six was my first collegiate week, and that was the last year of a separate song in mm. Sun night. And I, I've heard that they're bringing it back. I think yeah. that's. Awesome. Yeah, we've
0: done it now. That we've done it that way now for probably five or six years, and it's good. Yeah, it's oh, it's solidly back. I
2: mean, honestly, the thing about stunt night is if you don't have like a Lee Bagan or these guy Corn or whoever can write this like you know poetic stunt or whatever, you need a guy like a Samson. I was lucky enough when I coached. I got Jack Skolnick and Blake Levy. Oh, sure, there you go. Killed it. I mean, we you know we wrote I think a funny script, but I mean it, it all plays out on stage. Right. And Skolnick killed it. We won that. We won that uh, stunt night as well, and and it's not even
4: the people we were kind of talking before about how we like the hype of Collegiate Week. I think that that's the stress of Collegiate Week. You yes. have these really intense games, and then you're going to the camp campfire site to rehearse your yeah. stunt. It takes a lot of like inner uh, want to to roll go and practice. Yeah, that's
1: true. I rolled the dice my first year as an SC. Uh, rolled the dice on a stunt that like maybe only 15 people in camp would understand, but. That placed. So basically, if you know about mine and Elrod's relationship, we we go, we give it to each other pretty good. We have like a very brotherly relationship where sometimes we, you know, jab and hate each other. And I had David Lakin, Daniel's younger cousin, on my team, sure. Iowa in two thousand six. And I did what I thought maybe would catch on, personal attack stunts, and I had David basically play Daniel. And it was like the year that Steve had gotten a house up there, and there was like a line about trying to impress a girl by bringing her back to check out her dad's boat. I had David sing a Broadway musical making fun of Daniel. It was basically a full... Lighthearted personal attack. I think we got fourth place though. We did pretty well. Even though, you know, people who got it laughed and people who didn't wanted to get it. So it they short. went. It was a good it was a good topic. Yeah. Daniel's sure. a great topic. Yes,
0: the personal attack stunts did get sorta of popular for a while. <laughs> then then they really went over a lot and very now innovative. I started
1: it. We had to reel
0: it back <laughs> in a little bit. Oh, stunt night. Okay. That is it. Well, actually, that's half of it. The boys and I were having such a good time. We ended up talking for almost another hour. So this Thursday, you're going to get part two of this 2000s roundtable. Uh, I hope you dug this. Uh, you're going to dig that one, too. It's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. So come back Thursday, download part two of this podcast, and you're going to enjoy hanging out with the boys for a little bit longer. If you want to get in touch with the podcast, as always, you know how, drop me a line, Christopher at Camp history.org. or of course just swing by the website, check out everything over there, the Warriors are up, all the Warriors are up now, pictures, new stuff, there'll be a ton of new stuff after the event, and if you don't know what event I mean, I mean OJ90, May 6th, 2017, a mere six days away, alright, that's enough, I'm getting out of here. I'll see you guys later this week.